What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Voice, and this is another episode of the Facts Project. Today, very, very special guest. All it's been a while because I've been wanting to have this brother on the show for a very long time. DJ Ben, I'm in from the For All Nerds podcast, the Blackest Podcast, Blackest Nerd Podcast in the land. Thank you for being here, brother. Oh, thank you very much. Just, yeah, you said Ben, I'm in, but it more like Ben, I mean, but ben, you know, Ben, I mean, uh, yeah, Ben, I mean, yep. But thank you, thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, happy to be here. Yeah, man. Look, look. I'm glad to have you. First off, you. I know you just came back from vacation. You were overseas for a little while. How have you been? I've been great. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I mean, I just from like I was like I was. Oh uh, yeah, I was in Ethiopia for the New Year in Addis Ababa in the capital. It was beautiful. Uh, I've been there a few times, and it's a beautiful time every time. So that was just great. Um, Man, yeah, it was, it's been a wild beginning to the year, and now I'm back here, and we're back doing Fall Nerds and everything else that I got going on, so yeah, I'm I'm good. I can't complain, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Absolutely. So obviously, you've gotten time to come back by the time this Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness trailer hit for the Super Bowl, so I'm sure you had time to wrap your mind around, of course, all the theories that have been wrapped around that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I actually went on a little bit of a Reddit deep dive, and I don't recommend it for anyone no. who is trying to avoid spoilers at this point because there's like some leaks out there and stuff like that. So I don't know if anything I read is true, and I stopped reading when I felt like I was giving them too much away. So yeah, we'll see. And that that was probably like I'm. I can't say that I'm on Reddit often. Yeah, probably like a moment that I was on Reddit that I'll regret because I felt like I read way too much. Yeah, I stopped through about halfway through it. And there's also a lot of reshoots and a lot of that stuff ain't right anyway. So I'm not really worried because to me, it's like more about just seeing how it's done anyway when it does happen. So I Def think that's just to be ill. So I'm just hyped either way. It, it definitely. For real. So it, it, for anybody that does not know the For All Nerds podcast, like like if, if anybody has never heard of your podcast before, how do you basically introduce them to the show? Mm, I would say check us out and listen. I'd say we're the For All Nerds podcast. We're known as the voice of the urban geek, the podcast that distresses geek culture from the perspective of people of color. And we, our main motto is inclusion is revolution. And by that, we mean through the simple act of including everyone we will have a revolution and so that's what we preach that's what we practice and that's what we're all about and we basically been going for a minute now and we've interviewed a plethora of guests uh, the show is run by me and my co-host tatiana king and i mean i can't even begin in the name all the different people we've had on there bruh yeah <laughs> i look i'm kate I, heron i was just i'm just trying to think of a few right like uh, the director and creator, uh, one of the creators of Loki, we had uh, her on this year. Um, I mean, that was last year. Yeah, it's a lot of people, man. Check our SoundCloud, For All Nerds, on all better podcast platforms you can find us. Just type in For All Nerds on Spotify, all that good stuff on social media, at For All Nerds. That's F-O-R-A-L-L, -L, nerds, For All Nerds, fan. You know, you get it. For All Nerds fan show, so definitely check it out. I can honestly say that the best For All Nerds podcast episode that I ever heard was the Young Guru baby uh, that Yoda is trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've had uh, my brother Young Guru Jay Z and 
million other people, engineer extraordinaire, and also one of my best friends. We've had him on the show a few times. And the last time he was on there, he broke down why Yoda is trash. And as he said, famously, a baby snatcher. Oh, bro. I, I was indoctrinated that night because I was like, when I listened to that, I was like, yo, this this is too much, man. This is like, <laughs> like I, I can't even be down with the Jedi way anymore. Like this, like straight up. This is, this is what Yoda's about. <laughs> it's so funny because Guru, just like me, is a huge Star Wars fan. He might even know more about Star Wars than I do. And he'll say all that just to say that that's the truth. You know, it's like Yoda is the big one of the biggest problems. And just the Jedi in general just have a big problem with their doctrine and obeying it. And I was really crying laughing uh, watching Boba Fett Mandalorian this season because... Um, Luke is still just falling into all those same traps like an idiot. Oh my God, man. Cause I, I, I think I remember that one episode where he basically gave baby Yoda the choice between the little singlet t-shirt yeah, it's like, and gave him and baby Yoda, uh, I'm sorry. And Yoda's lightsaber. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, only Sith dealing absolutes. absolutes. I, I thought, but the Jedi stay dealing in absolutes. And that's one of their, they are like hilariously blind, you know, to their own faults. So. <sighs> And it's also, you know, that's the path Luke is headed down because he's headed down this path of I'm just trying to recreate the Jedi and then, you know, Kylo's going to destroy it all. And then that's when he's finally going to realize. So Mm. it takes him a long time to get there. But, you know, he gets there. It's crazy. Now, now, now tell us about like basically um, your introduction, uh, introduction to Tatiana King Jones as your co-partner for For All Nerds. Yep. Oh, man, I was just talking about this. It basically, uh, the Fall Nerd show was started as the Fan Bros show. That's what was our original moniker. I just like saying that word. And we were founded by my brother, Combat Jack. You can see the Combat Jack show hat behind me right there if you zoom in. Mm-hmm. And the Combat Jack show, rest in peace to my brother, Reggie Osei, was the one of the premier, if not the premier, hip-hop podcast and Reggie at one point was like, yo, we're going to do a podcast that talks about how comic books and hip hop culture and our and geek culture in general are so intertwined. And at the time, it just wasn't a lot of people out there doing that, if many at all. And so me and him started the show alongside my brother Chico Leo. And it was us three. And maybe like an episode or two in, I just knew it wasn't working for me. I just did not want to listen to dudes talk about you know, geek shit. I've done that my whole life. And, you know, and I knew enough women who knew they shit where I was like, you know, I'd rather hear, you know, from everyone. And so I put a call out on Twitter and Tatiana, who I knew from following each other, pretty much that's the only thing I knew about her. And then uh, my other homie, Jamie Rigetti, who I also knew, I knew Jamie just a little bit more, but we also had never met in person. And they both responded like, yeah, I'm down. So they all showed up and that was like the original Fantastic Four. And, you know, we've been family since then pretty much. And now it's like they're more guest hosts or whenever they come through. But Tatiana and me are just uh, Tatiana and I are the two main hosts of the show. And we've been doing it together for so long. That's like my sister. You know, it's like we just have a relationship. But it's like, you know, one of your best friends that you meet much later in life you know it's wild like that sometimes so you know that's just my people i I can't it's tough to describe it man because we like we were just recording last night and you know it's just 
the camaraderie and, and the way we share jokes and speak to each other is just something else. So I'm right. just happy to have it. That's dope, man. So I, I even saw basically the milestone four years ago today, you and Tatiana hosting, of course, a Black Panther viewing. Mm. Yep. Uh, that was four years ago today. Wow. I think it was actually yesterday, but whatever. I mean, by the time y'all listen to this, it'll be another day. But, <laughs> it, you know, four years ago, we hosted, we we basically, we bought out the Alamo Drafthouse Theater for two nights, one for a general screening and then the second day for a children, kids screening. And we sold the tickets and had a bid function that we call Crown Wakanda in celebration of Black Panther. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful night, man. That was just like one of the illest nights because that was my, I I want to say that was the second time I'd seen it by then because I got to see one of the, you know, premieres in LA. So I'd seen it already. And, but that movie is so magical because I saw it three times in theaters and every time was just such an event. So that was just such a night. And then the next day where we had the screening where all these kids got to come see it. And then we did a whole series of events around it where we took kids around and like did classes and little um, workshops with these children. So it was a whole thing with the whole Crown of Wakanda event. We did it in conjunction with the Brooklyn NAACP. It was really beautiful, man. That was like one of the most beautiful things that we've ever done. And I hope we get to do something else, you know, akin to it this year when Wakanda Forever drops. Because, yeah, we got to. Yeah, definitely. Brown Wakanda Forever. <laughs> yeah, I, I can honestly say I'm highly anticipating the film, and I'm going to gladly shut down my social media that day because I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I don't want to hear nothing. And, it's, I mean, you, like, last time... It, I don't, Twitter wasn't the way it was now, you know, last time Black Panther came out. And the different feelings people have about, you know, T'Challa not being recasted, I think this movie should be, I don't know if it should be that same, you know, glorious feeling we had last time. I'm hoping for it, you know. That's what I'm hoping for, because I don't don't need all the, you know, ah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I I can honestly say, man, the the rah-rah of, around that whole movement has i'm trying to like i'm all, i'm almost at the point of muting the hashtag <laughs> i think i've been to that yeah like yeah, but my my mentions were in shambles over that one so i i, <laughs> I, I needed to for a minute yeah um i don't i don't i don't i i get it but i don't get it you know i think uh regine sawyer said it best when we uh had a quick discussion about it uh, on one of our podcasts where she said we just need more black superhero movies you know like that that's Very that's true. what that's what this destruction really boils down to is like because i get it you know but i also don't get it you know there's so much in this destruction to me that's like well i mean i i mean for most of the time t'challa wasn't even in the comics like it's you know true. If we want to keep it funky, you know, like, yeah. so it's not like, you know, I, I grew up reading Monica Rambeau way more than I grew up reading T'Challa. Let's keep it funky, you know, because he was not even a member of the Avengers for all the time I was growing up. Like, mm-hmm. it, so, you know, and then like I always, like I said, when we had E-Man on the show, like there's, you know, Icon, there's a whole milestone universe that was created by Black people. There's all 
kind of characters who are actually created and owned by black people, which is another whole discussion. Absolutely. L- literally every comic behind me that's an independent comic book mm. written and art done by black people. Yes. And and probably if it's independent owned. So when it goes to movies, that means they get all the money. Unlike Marvel, this big corporation getting all of the money. Yeah. Like I like black I love Black Panther. Like you know, behind me right here, we have an array of Marvel Legends Black Panther figures, you know, down to, I mean, I got every Black, you know, Marvel Legends figure there is that, it, you know, it's dope, trust me. So any of these characters, you know, for that matter, but there's this idea that T'Challa is, you know, and I don't, I don't <laughs> get that. I don't get that at all, you know? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Maybe maybe they're grandstanding the character. Maybe they're holding it to a high pedestal, but also because maybe they were the first ones that to, were to arrive cinematically with like T'Challa and even with Cyborg, another black character who is going through a lot of scrutiny. So it's like it's like two right out the gate. I mean, Cyborg is Cyborg, you know. <laughs> Shouts to Ray Fisher, you know, but bruh, like. Let's not suddenly act like Cyborg is like some, you know, the premier black character, you know, like, fuck out of here. <laughs> like, I, I don't think that man was even written by a black person for most of his comic history. I don't think, you know, ever. like, <laughs> I don't, yeah, because right, there was a controversy about that when they uh, launched the New 52 or whatever, right? The And they had the Cyborg series and it wasn't written by a black person. No. And I, and I doubt it was before that, so... No. You're probably right. Marv Wolfman held that held that down forever. You know, <laughs> any of those OT Titans concepts? Absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> not, not even close. <laughs> like the the catchphrase is "booyah." There wasn't a black person delivering them shits. Like, fuck out of here! Like, oh I remember when they put him in the Justice League, and I was like, "Get real, dog!" Like. <laughs> <laughs> like Superman, Flash, Green Lantern, and Cyborg fan. This man ain't the same, dog. <laughs> so, but in but in the terms of like fan service, there was that that comic, that comic, where, that comic where John Stewart cussed out Batman. Did people get so fucking mad that they was like, all right, we got to put Cyborg up in here? John Stewart can't be cussing out Batman. <laughs> They put that man up in that bitch just so Aquaman wouldn't be the worst. <laughs> oh man! Ah! <laughs> I guess I, I fuck with Ray Fisher, but come on, man, let's be for real. <laughs> let's be for real, and that's just DC's problem. Like they don't really have you know brown characters. Who are on yeah. the level of their main characters like that, you know? Yeah. Unless it's someone like Nubia, you know, like the Black Wonder Woman, you know, who's, you know, shout out to Steph and all them who are that doing boy. what they can with that. Yeah, but it's still, you know, it's like they don't have that, you know, they don't have a, a Monica Rambeau who is, you know, one of the most powerful characters out, you know, in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> it, you know, it's uh, wild. I want to see that Blue Beetle joint though. That's one of my. That's that's my dude. If they if they pair him up with Booster Gold, it's comedy gold. No, but they doing the blue. They doing a new Blue Beetle with the um with what's his name? Um, oh, from I can't a, Karate Kid. Yeah, and I can't remember the character's name, but yeah, that Blue Beetle with the okay. suit. 
I'm saying, and the Black Beetle and yeah. all that shit. Yeah. Over that, time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so that I want to see. I'd love to see the old school booster in uh, blue too, but you know, this is what we're getting right now. Well, so, hey, I mean, if, if DC's been doing at least a little bit of service with Peacemaker as, as far as making a D-list villain uh, basically into somewhat of a smash on HBO Max to where it's uh, mm-hmm. it, it's garnering a season two. Yep. So if you can do that with that. Maybe you get the right people. I mean, like I said, there's uh, the, the Blue Beetle joint when he, I mean, I know we supposed to be talking about villains, but that's one of my favorite villains. When he was on um, Young Justice with the Black Beetle, that is yeah. an ill, ill story. Like, so they, they, you know, it can be done. Definitely. But to get to the main topic at hand, we we basically were, I wanted to dig your mind about the characterization of villains and how they've been written without throughout cartoons, nerd culture in general, comic books, and how they're perceived from a writing standpoint. You having a background as a screenwriter, as a writer yourself, can pretty much have some resolve around a lot, a lot of the questions that I have. One of the one of the first ones that I wanted to go with was basically um, what has changed basically from the early slapstick, I would say, nature of villains from like the early 70s and 80s that looked like caricatures. Like when you, when we talk about like kid shows or how cartoons were basically portrayed, whether it was um, uh, Cobra Commander. Uh, Deathstro, uh, Mumra, um, you know, Megatron, you know what I'm saying? These consistent episodes of seeing and a villain get his ass whooped or better yet having comic banter the entire episode and then just have to go through it episode after episode, you know, like the old Adam West Batman, like the villain never won until like actually like the Adam West movie. The Adam mm. West Batman movie, like the villain never with the Riddler going through all those like uh, all through those parallels. It seemed like the Riddler, Riddler was orchestrating the entire movie from like those that plot point. That was the only time it like really got serious. Other than that, it was just blam, splat, kazam. Mm-hmm. Like I'm but it seemed like villains weren't really taken as serious back then as they are now. Hmm. Yeah, because it's funny, because when you first posed this question to me, I was like, well, I think it's more because uh, comic books a lot of times have taken villains more seriously. But I guess if you go back to some of the Golden Age stuff with Superman, it's so ridiculous that it's pretty much not taking anything seriously either. So I think that was just a sign of the times. And actually, Grant Morrison was talking about this earlier, and it's something we were talking about on Fall Nerds. At the same time, it's something I'm really big on is I don't really believe in the idea that like you have to darken Superman and Batman to the level of their villains. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's so weak. You know, I think that's like really weak writing when it becomes like, oh, well, what if Superman was evil? Like, right. Yeah, he'd be an asshole. Like, we get it. So it's like, why not, you know, do what they did, you know, with uh, to me, great storytelling, take the characters as they are. And they write great stories around them. Like, have Superman just be this paragon of good and, you know, upstanding and believing in the people beneath him. But as far as, like, cartoons, I think that's main... Like, I think Steltor, uh, Mumra, et cetera, down the line are more of the idea that even though cartoons were always written with the idea that, you know, adults could watch them, those cartoons especially were more geared, you know, towards children and towards selling toys. So, 
you know, the good guys had to win every episode. It had to be wrapped up in its 30 minutes. They weren't, that's another thing. They're, the idea of a, a serial show is a new idea, except in like soap operas and things of that nature. Right. You know, like the serial show where it's like there's a continuing story arc, especially wasn't done back then because you would see these G.I. Joe episodes out of order all kind of ways. So oh. that wasn't really, you know, it wasn't like they could just tell a story throughout the season. Now you have streaming services where you can watch a whole season so they can tell whatever story they want. So mm-hmm. it's it's a different time then, you know, like serial storytelling, as far as even like dramas wasn't done, you know, like you turn on the TV back in the 80s, Knight Rider, every episode wrap up in, you know, 45 minutes and then move on to the next. There was no main villain for a season of Knight Rider. Right. Yeah, you true. Yeah. You know, that it's just different like now, you know, people like HBO and stuff like that really started changing that game. And then, you know, that became part of network selling point too, because they had to keep up because HBO was doing things like Sopranos, whatnot. So then you had networks start doing stuff like lost, you know, all these other shows where it was like, you know, long form storytelling over seasons with big budgets and not, you know, cause soap operas have been doing this type of storytelling, but this is more, you know, where it's like genre storytelling like that. Right. Now, now, when we get into it and we talk about like a lot of new age uh, superheroes that are basically brought out throughout the age of comics, they don't necessarily have somebody that's jealous of their traits that that's also a hero on their side. They're more so attached to the villain themselves. So why is Starscream the biggest hater? All right, you kind of lost me on the first part, but as far as the second part, why is Starstream the biggest hater? I think that Starstream is the biggest hater because I'm sure there's some psychological or like mythological reason behind it because some of these people who wrote these shows were a lot smarter than the actual shows that came out of them. Mm -hmm. But there's the... hmm, I'm trying to think what, what role... Starstream is kind of like the conscience, I would say, of Megatron mm. in a way. Is he? Because he's like the, you're, he's like the um, or like okay, there's this um, and they always I don't know if this is actually true, but I always hear that Roman emperors after a battle or after a victory would have a guy whisper in their ear, "All um, victory is fleeting." Mm-hmm. You know, or something like that, because it's like every it's gonna go bad eventually, right? So I think that's kind of Starstream, where he's constantly like that. You know, you, it's gonna go bad, like <laughs> you know, you know, it's all gonna fall apart, Megatron. None of your plots will work. But he's also just a jealous ass. You know, nigga. <laughs> like I think that you know, I think that's really more what it is. Like you know, he's a hater, like you said. Like there's always a hater, you know, and Starstream is definitely a hater. Word and, and, yeah. and I think it wasn't before well until like Transformers the movie when Megatron actually got his ass beat and then he was like, well, shit, I'm I'm running shit now. Like he took it. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> but he been but he been that was like Transformers, you know, they definitely that was like a storyline that paid off because he had been trying to like he was always like, yo, I'm better than you. I can do this. You know, you mm-hmm. will, you know, you're going to crumble and I can do this. And then he eventually crumbled and then, you know, Kicked Galvatron him. came through. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, he kicked him straight out the spaceship. Yeah, oh man, I I know that whole movie like you know back oh, and forth, Zog. It's like yeah, oh lord. 
All right. So does it does it bode well for the antagonist to continually exist to the hero, kind of a la the Joker? Does it bode well? Like by that I mean you mean like is it a good thing for the hero to Yeah right, just, there, exist in the same space as the hero? Like what like by the I, same space, there's a there's there's a lot to that. Like mm-hmm. um all right, so like, do you mean like that? Does it is it good for like? There, okay, there's something that Marvel did a lot in the MCU. Like, is it good for the villain to be like a negative version of the hero? Correct. The Joker isn't exact, but the Joker's not. It's well, the Joker in certain ways, I guess, is a negative version. Like, at least according to the Killing Joke, the Joker is a negative version of Batman. Like, both of them had a really bad day, and then they, you know, both went their separate ways. Uh, Batman decided to. You know, fight crime and Joker decided chaos and anarchy is the way. Mm-hmm. At least that version of the Joker, you know, because there's so many different versions of the Joker throughout the history of comics and, you know, movies and TV and now this and everything else. So um, I don't think so. I don't think that every villain needs to be like the because that's just the Joker, right? The Riddler, et cetera, down the line are not. Yeah you know, mirrors of Batman. And I think that's also, oh, I don't want to say limiting, but I think at least in the form of Joker and Batman, I think that is limiting in what their characters are all about. Because mm-hmm. I think that people, like, there's a lot of stuff with Batman that I feel like there was like three or four comics that people read, and then they're like, this is what Batman is. And it's like the right. long Halloween, the Dark Knight Returns, and the Killing Joke. And it just seems like those three have been so influential influential in everything that has come out of it. And also Grant Morrison's take that Batman, you know, can murder anyone. That's the other one that people love. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's prepared for anything. Oh. Yeah. And, I, you know, I like all those. But at the same time, it's just like I like all of those. And all of those are wildly different from each other. And. There's other Batman out there that are wildly different from, you know, those versions. So Yeah. I don't I don't know. I, I think for the MCU that worked, like see I'm saying that's a different thing. Like for Batman and Joker to be like, I don't think that's a good thing to say that Batman is a mirror image of the Joker, one. Because I don't I don't really believe that. You know, I don't believe that Batman is just like this insane dude who dresses up in a bat suit, you know, and I right, now and I also don't believe the idea that just because you have one bad day, you can just draw off and start killing people. Right. You know, or because you had a succession of bad days, you can start just draw killing people. Mm. Yeah. So I don't, that one for that, I'd say no. For like the idea of the MCU, I think that was just simple and it just, you know, made it simple for people to get into it. You know, it's like, here's Iron Man, here's an evil Iron Man. They fight. Right. You know? Because the main part of the movie is so much, there's so much more to the story than that. That's why Iron Man 1 is such a classic. You know, it's like, by the end of it, you don't need some complexity of villain, you know, with, you know, Mandarin with 10 rings and he's got 10 different powers and all that type of stuff. You just need them to have a fight, you know, because the real fight is what's going on between these characters, not what's going on on screen, not the action really. See, and I, I'm actually glad that you brought that up because, like, the the next segment I was basically going to talk about that, that so-called Marvel having their early villain problem hmm. where they basically had a main antagonist 
but yet you saw these plethora of some very established villains being knocked off one by one. So like <laughs> Ob Obadiah Stane, the Red Skull, Destroyer, like like these are some dope villains throughout the comics. And yet, yeah, we don't, I mean, we saw Red Skull later on. Yep. But it was, and that was beyond anything I would have even imagined. But it was like Red Skull, like in a Knocked off. Yeah. In the, in, in the first Captain America movie. I mean, Obadiah Stane, I was, I, you know, going in, I was pretty oh, much yeah. expecting, you know, knowing, knowing how it ended for him in the comics. I, I didn't really think he was going to make it out of the first one either way, you know, <laughs> so um, unless, you know, unless they plan to stretch him out as the villain over three movies. And once he puts on the Ironmonger suit, I, I was like, oh, yeah, it's a wrap for that dude. You know, hmm. once you put on that suit, I know how your story arc ends. So, <laughs> um. Yeah, I I didn't I never that's another one I just didn't understand. You know, I just like these movies are good. Like what what do you mean they have a problem? There's so many other characters. They can always bring in another character or they can like Red Straw, we knew he just vanished, you know, like if they wanted to bring him back, I thought they were gonna bring him back before that. Like right. he so was gonna I come back in part three as the main villain, but they didn't need to because they'd already moved on to other stuff. And I thought that, you know, also showed a lot of like, you know, um, I don't want to say, you know, but like it was a gamble. Like a lot of the big moves they made was a gamble yeah. to do that, you know, because you could just rely on let's watch Captain America versus Red Straw for three movies. Mm -hmm. But they didn't do that. They were like, nah, we're going to knock this dude off. Nah, Obadiah yeah. saying we're going to knock off Killmonger. Like, that's another one, and it, we discussed this before too. But it's like it's so funny to me how people are like, "You can't kill T'Challa," but they <laughs> killed Killmonger. Like, right. and it's like that—that is what these movies have to have. Is like stakes. Yeah, you know, and the fact that they've already done so much, where it's like they just keep bringing people back. They've got time travel. They've got magic. All oh, this yeah. stuff. So it's like. If they do that for T'Challa just to have another actor play the role, that really cheapens this universe even more than it's already been cheapened by the fact that they keep bringing people back, you know, and things like that. So that's why, as much as I love the character, I think that's one of the other reasons why they should move on. But I, as far as the early Marvel villain problem, I never really understood that. Other than, like, the ones like Thor, the Dark World, where the dude is just forgettable, and Curse <laughs> is a dope villain in the comments, and they just, oh, you know, man. they... Malekith is dope. Malekith, all that, yeah, is fire, yeah. and they just, you know, but that was a miss, you know, it just happens, like, yeah. the Yellow Jacket, Ant-Man, I mean, who cared about that dude, oh, you know, God. like, yeah, keep him moving. But, but I gotta say that I was surprisingly satisfied with Bucky Barnes's arc throughout Captain America as the Winter Soldier. I didn't expect it to go that route. And when it did, I was like, okay, yeah, this, he could do this forever. And he has. It's funny. I didn't read the uh, Winter Soldier stuff until after the movies were out. I only read them recently for the um, when the Winter Soldier show. And I honestly gave up about, I think I was about 90% of the way through. And I'd read some of the other stuff. Like I'd read The Return of Captain America mm. back then. So I, I knew, you know, peripherally about everything. But... The Ed Brubaker shit has some like stuff they do with uh, Sharon Carter. And I'm just like, man, where well, you can't divorce it or something like, cause 
there's some real hate of women in that book. Um, <laughs> where I, say, um, I was like, ooh. Like, it, even even the fact that, uh, what, Winter Soldier, to get Wolverine back out of hiding because he was hiding out in Japan and everything, kills a pregnant woman. I just saw that today when I read um, the... the when yeah, the, the responsible for that shit. I didn't. I didn't know that until I until I read uh, Lives of Wolverine today. And I was like, wow, yeah. <laughs> like, like this man ain't chopped your head off after that, like you know. But yeah, Ed Brubaker, ooh, yeah, because he did some dirty things to Sharon, and then he did that. That's all, like, yeah. And I actually prefer the MCU version of the Winter Soldier, and I think, dude, Sebastian Saul made himself a star off that, like you said, like it's been incredible. He can definitely play that shit forever. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Word. So, 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 what, what, from a writer's standpoint, what does uh, what does killing the, the villain do to the storyline in the eyes of the audience early on? Like, like how Cottonmouth got killed in the Luke Cage series by like episode five. I mean, that one is funny. We uh, we did a writers, not a writer. It wasn't writer space. It was a Twitter spaces with a with uh, April Rain yep. and Cheo Hodari Coker and a few other people were in there. And Cheo was talking about that, and he said what he wanted to achieve was the shock that he got reading guard reading Alpha Flight uh, number twelve or thirteen. He said twelve, but I always thought of thirteen, but I think it's twelve when Guardian gets killed and. It's so wild because that issue is like my Jean Grey, my Gwen Stacy, my whoever you want to talk about. Like, I don't know what it was. I just loved how Guardian looked. I just thought the Canadian flag on that suit was yeah. dope. And with, with I the wrap around and shit. Yeah. Around. And I, I had the issue where he fought Wolverine and the X-Men and he like fought them all. So I was like, this dude's dope, you know? And then I was reading Alpha Flight and... I got the issue where it's like, you know, one of these people will die on the cover and then this man gets blown up at the end in front of his wife and it like, you know, me just talking about it right now. I'm just sitting here like, like the, I was a little kid, like, what is life? You know, seriously, like I just did not, I was, you know, like, oh. Because I didn't know, you know, like Jean Grey, by the time I was reading Jean Grey, she was dead, you know, so I was like, okay, you know, she dead. I get it. That's sad when I read the issue. But that one, even though he was, he was been dead too. I don't, you know, no one told me on that one. You know, <laughs> it's like I, I read the back issue and no one had let me know. So just like, oh, so I get what he was attempting to do with that. You know, I think the problem with that one was at least personally was that uh whatever the dude's name after was just like nah be oh. you know you're no Mahershala you know like that's just like he should have reversed those roles you know yeah, if anything uh, Diamondback that yeah well, whatever dog and then the whole you know beefing with him because he's his brother and daddy issues it was just like come on man like so yeah that one I don't know but as far as like what you know people do with situations like that is like what I said with the guardian. It's that idea of shock, you know, like mm -hmm. guardian was the leader of the team. You know, he's the symbol of Canada, you know, and he gets blown up in front of his wife, you know, because he can't, you know, actually because she might've distracted him, mm. you know, <laughs> it's like, it's one of those, 
and because he's trying to save her once she walks in the room. So I guess from a team aspect, it was more like, okay, how do we push on after this? So all of a sudden you just have like these episodes of struggle to kind of like pick back up the book. In the case of Luke Cage, it's basically, it's a takeover moment. Yes. And it just doesn't work for me personally, because you know, the dude just wasn't as dope. Like that was just my thing. And, and his, I mean, it was, it was like impossible. Like Mahershala came in in those four episodes he had and just ate everything alive, yeah. you know? Percy like, on the roof when he tossed on boy off the roof. It was like that was episode I mean, one. When you walk in front of the biggie, you know, with the crown on your head, like it's over after that. Like you're an icon. You know, there's no you know, you had these iconic moments that they just they didn't really give do. I mean, but it's it's impossible to. I don't you know. I don't want to riff on that because I love I actually love Luke Cage. I love season two. I thought season two was actually in the end, maybe even better than season one. And so I just, you know, yeah, but I, you know, that's what that is. It's just shot moments. It's like, it's a, it's the thing with killing Killmonger. It's the thing with killing any of these characters. When you would think that you can see Black Panther versus Killmonger for three movies, you know, and it's like, oh, come on now, bro. No, right. Like these niggas running around shooting at each other. Someone's doing to get murdered. You know, that's like, that was the Transformers movie that you want to talk about, like, you know, brutality yeah. and. I wonder did they know going in because they had to because it's like I'm one they had to kill characters so they can make room for new toys so they knew that but it was like they had to know you know we are shooting um what's my man's name Braun in the chest and smoke is going to pour out of his eyes as he dies and none of these characters have ever been murdered before it's crazy because the the way that I look at it. Okay, so uh, Transformers came on from what 19, 1984 to 1987 so we had we had this like three-year period of maybe around a series and they did long long seasons back then so we're talking about 27 yeah. episodes or maybe 32 episodes per season yeah a lead up to a 1987 movie all these kids are still kids 11 years old been rocking with the toys and everything like that all of a sudden we get to the movie not a bullet has touched Optimus. Not a nobody's died. The Witwickies are running around like everything's safe. <laughs> Witwickies weren't even in the movie, by the way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then the first 30 minutes, chaos. <laughs> I mean, not even first 30, it's immediate. Like they just start first yeah, mission. They, yeah, they murder off like I mean, you know, Megatron hops on the thing, shoots Ironhide, Brawn, uh, a couple other cats. I think Ratchet catches it right then too, right? I know, I know, Ironhide does. Like, no, Ratchet makes it out of there, I think. But Ironhide dies, Brawn dies, a couple other cats die, yeah. and then to make it even more cold, it's like even that whole sequence, like Optimus rolls over an Incepticon, crushes his head. It's like they are just brutally killing characters left <laughs> and right when no one had gotten murdered before. So that was, I think that's one of the most, you know, effective and most shocking things yeah. probably ever done, like in, you know, animation, cinema, storytelling, because, and it's funny because all this, because they were just making room for new toys. And I, well, the same could be said for G.I. Joe, the movie, because I never seen a snake go through somebody's heart like Duke. And then they said the only reason they changed that is because of the reaction to the Transformers movie. Yeah, because kids were so sad that they didn't want you know them to go through it again. Cause that shit was some BS. Like they come in at the end, like, "Oh, dude's alive!" Like, yeah, right, dog. That man taught it to right the through chest. Homeboy chest. 
How was he alive? In slow motion. (laughs) (laughs) I was sitting at my cousin's house, yo. Me and my cousin, I was in D.C. sitting like on a family trip at my cousin's house. Me and my cousin were sitting there like. And then that was was another one, though, like, because they brought in them uh, Cobra Lockets. And then like, man, who the fuck are these cornballs? I ain't buying these toys, dog. That was my first thought. Like, ain't no way, fam. And I damn sure didn't. I ain't have no Cobra Lock. Nope. Nope. And Larry Hammer, like that's the one I don't think he put into the comic even. Yeah, I don't remember Cobra Live. I don't think, I think he must have been like, you're fucking out your mind. Like, ain't no way. <laughs> you're, not getting, you're not getting Nemesis Enforcer. You're not getting any of them cats. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter fighting uh, old boy. <laughs> this this was for Duke. <laughs> I need to see that trade again. Because I know the Transformers movie by heart. But I ain't seen that one. I used to watch that a lot too, but I don't, I'd have to see it again to remember everything. I I remember, wasn't one of the, yeah, is that the, like the bulky Cobra Law dude? Like he had yeah. like some shit on his head or something? Yeah, and he gave him the backbreaker. <laughs> <laughs> he gave him a backbreaker and he said, this was for the USA. <laughs> were they aliens or like from undersea where they like Atlantis type dudes or yeah, something? Yeah, they were like, they, it, it was, they were always there. They came up from the earth. It was like Atlantis. Cobra La <laughs> had been in hiding for God knows how long. It rose like that movie, The Abyss, when the, when yep. the, when the fucking the whole island. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it, they just took over the land. Yeah, I got. I might watch that joint tonight, B. Yep. I got it. Serpentor, that was the leader of the crew. But Serpentor, wasn't he already there? Because in the comics, Serpentor was like, he was separate from Cobra La. Right. Yeah. So, Serpento was like they're they're in. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Cause Serpento was so ill in the comics, yo. He like Larry Hammond did that shit dope. Like the he had, he had like uh, DNA from Storm Shadow and like every yeah. great yeah, he was sick. Man. Yeah, but nah, he was I mean, I know when they showed him Cobra Lie, he was like, fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Like I already had to do Serpentor. Y'all made me made some dope shit out of Serpentor. Oh man. Like, come on now. Now I, I saw during that uh Twitter spaces that you basically um the, the voice of Black Panther was in there with you guys. I remember you shouting them out. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, just uh, the whole um Earth's Mightiest Heroes, man. Other than the theme song, that theme song was so ass. That's the only thing that <laughs> that's the only that thing, like, it's like every week I be struggling to fast forward through it, so I went out to listen to it. Oh. But man, that show is so good. Beyond that, like, that show is just so good. Like, man, Earth's Mightiest Heroes is not. It, it's up there with like JLO, you or any of the, you know, all the Justice League shows. Like, mm-hmm. that joint does not get the credit it deserves. They were telling all. They did a Secret Invasion. They did a bunch of like classic storylines on there. Man. So this one quote, um, d- uh, true or false, the, the role of, of the villain is only determined by who's telling the story. Do you agree? Ah, that's, that's pretty funny. Um, it's like history is told, you know, history is told by the winners. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I think that's pretty true, but I also think that's like, 
well, let's see. Let, I mean, let's take a you know a study like Infinity War. Like, it, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. Because it depends. Like, I you know I pointed out how Infinity War is about you know Thanos' journey one, mm-hmm. and I mean, even if you take any of them, like Iron Man, the first Iron Man movie, you know, like who's the villain in that? I mean, I call Tony Stark a villain all the time, and a yeah. monster, you know. And him and Obi- Obadiah Stane aren't really that far apart, you know. True. Like they just have a difference of opinion, really, because Stark continues to make weapons, and his weapons get used by other people. Obviously, by the look of the variants that are being shown in this trailer, of Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness, obviously he got his Ultra Ultron box. Yeah, he probably encased the earth in steel, like in armor, like he had planned to in the first place. I mean, we about to have you know uh, armor wars where people are still trying to clean up his mess. So, Mm. yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that one. Yeah, yeah, because you could even look at that in real time and be like, okay, all the history books that we've read as kids that Mm -hmm. have determined history, who's actually been telling this story the entire time, and what winners, yeah, and, and what are we supposed to believe? Yeah, they're gonna be like, yo, we, you know, we did a great job, didn't we? Like, you know, of course. Like, man, y'all rape, murdered, pillaged, killed, all types of stuff, but you ain't putting that in the book. Nah, none of that. <laughs> Not for a second. Also, uh, in an evil society, a villain is the hero because only the villain can speak the truth. You agree? In an evil society, the villain is the hero because only the villain can speak the truth. Well, let's see. We live in a pretty evil society right now. Mm-hmm. And the villain is the hero. And so someone speaking the truth is probably considered a villain right now. But yeah, truth is objective as well. So that's because mm-hmm. people are like, you know, would say that people like uh, Rogan are speaking the truth, you know, and I would disagree. Right. And people would, you know, label him a villain and, and say, you know, he's the villain and he's just trying to save us or whatever. So, nah, I, I really can't agree with that one. I think there's too many um, qualifiers to that, you know, like because truth is objective sometimes. Yeah, what in a villainous society, the villain is a hero because only the villain can tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Can't the hero tell the truth in a villainous society? Are they allowed? Ah, uh, okay, I get what. Yeah. yeah, okay, then I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people like Black Panther, I mean, not Black, like the Black Panthers, who I feel like were telling the truth, were murdered, right? Yeah. For, try, for basically trying to tell everybody the truth. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And anyone who's ever tried to tell anyone the truth gets murdered. So yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> now, uh, as a as opposed to like last year, twenty twenty one with a with the scale of uh, of MCU movies that are coming out recently, the the trailer that has come out for most of the plot of the DC movies, the DCEU movies that are going to basically hit the scene, is this the year that DC kind of kind of sort of turns that corner with Batman, Aquaman, Black Adam. Like JSA kind of looked dope the way they looked in those first little screenshots. Yes, I, I have hope for Black Adam. I don't know enough about the director or the people behind the scenes, but I know that Rock, you know, has wanted it for so long. But yeah. I also know that Rock, you know, plays the Rock in like ninety percent of his oh. movies. 
but maybe this ain't the one you know 90 percent, you know because he does have that 10 percent where he goes all in on some weird shit and you know i love those 10 percent as well so and i love his 90 percent. you know when he's just doing the rock so i'm going to enjoy it either way you know black adam is going to be dope either way now how dope it is is the question you know um and when you when you say black adam we're talking about a movie that's been in development since toby Maguire was spider-man yes i remember when they made that um announcement like and i was like oh that's fire you know yeah he looks like him you know but i also remember that was the time when black adam was like flying through people in the comments i was reading so (laughs) i was like well we'll see if he does that on screen you know actually does he fly through what's his name the giant dude adam smash he does yeah he does right yeah he (laughs) flies right through adam smasher doesn't he yeah Oh, they're not gonna do that one. They, you know, they got that pretty boy playing Adam Smasher. Ain't no way they blast through that dude on screen. That would be great, though. Um, <laughs> I, hey, that'd be shocking. That would be shocking, but you know, uh, I if, mean, if if Invincible is now a thing where it's on TV, I'm like, yeah, anything's possible now. If James Dunn was doing it, it would definitely be. Oh, it know, would happen. Yeah, it'd be a hundred percent sure that that man would get blown through. <laughs> hey yo uh so um i think that uh yeah i don't know about this whole dc 10 recording i think that's just like is marvel you know it's like any year people can have some a string of good movies i just think people are expecting something from dc that we're never going to get at this point i think people uh. are expecting this unified universe where everything connects like marvel does and you're never going to get it and i think as long as you accept that you're going to get certain projects you love and certain <laughs> projects you don't like I don't, I'm. My my excitement wavers for the Batman. I'll say that you know, it's like it depends on what day you ask me. Whether I'm like ooh, you know, whether I'm like uh, you know, because most days I'm like uh, and then some days I'm like ah, you know, maybe this will be good. But I just read today, and they're like, we want to make a whole universe of Batman's villains, and they're all grounded. And I was like, yeah, no, yeah, I'm good. Like I've seen that before, and I I don't. I really do not get how this is any different than what Christopher Nolan just did. I that is, I can't wrap my head or, or say that enough because that's all the vibe I get from this. Mm. It's Christopher Nolan with a different filter on it. It's a was it a War of the Planet of the Apes score with with Batman in tow. And I like War of the Planet of the Apes, but I still think the first one was the best one. So the I don't. First you know, one was the best one. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't get it, you know. So I'm more hyped for uh, Black Adam Rock. Um, for the Flash, that's another one. I'm 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 ah. questionable about. I don't know. We'll see. Well, we'll, we'll see. Literally, because everybody's just saying, "Yeah, it's going to be Flashpoint," and I'm like, D- "Does he have to do Flashpoint?" I, I, do we have to have Thomas Wayne? Like, yeah. We, like, what, what? What is this? Is this the reset? Like, is so it, wait, he's not going to play Michael Keaton's to play Thomas Wayne. Well, is that what's going to happen? There's supposed to be two Batman's in this movie. I was. Oh, okay. Is it? Is it going to be just Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck? I'm thinking one of them is going to end up getting murked somehow as a as some type of parallel in order to like reboot this whole thing. And if it's Michael Keaton going forward, how you do it? And why? But 
maybe they got a bit, you know, a better plan than I can see, you know, but I mean, I love Michael Keaton, you know, and he can still pull it off. Oh, yeah. I'm more hyped for Batgirl. I want to see that. You know, that yeah. looks good. Um, what else they have? That's it. I'm, I'm really enjoying Peacemaker. I've actually got the, uh, that's the last episode. I've been saving it for when the finale drops uh, tomorrow right. so I can watch them um, back to back. Yeah, I just feel like James Gunn has a, a niche for basically taking C and D list characters and making them interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's just a, you know, he's a very great storyteller and he always has been. Like, I remember when they had announced him for Guardians because I love his joint Slither. Yeah. His movie oh, Slither. Man. Yeah. And so I just knew, you know, given that, you know, what was in Slither, I was like, oh, he'll be perfect for this. He'll have the humor, you know, yeah. have the gross out, and he'll have the sci-fi. So it's like, and he'll have a heartfelt story. So, yeah. And he'd oh. been doing it. So, yeah, I knew I'm I'm hyped for Peacemaker to finish out. And, um, yeah, Aquaman, you know, I think that should be solid, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the first one was decent, so it's yeah. like it's having that Thor type of feel where the first one was like, oh, yeah, the aesthetics of this is cool as shit. Mm -hmm. It can't do nothing but get better from here, even if the story of the first one was ass. Yeah, and I thought it wasn't. It was just it was a little a bit drawn. Yeah, it was just a little bit drawn out, a little bit clunky. You know, it was like it could have, yeah, it could have been tighter. And I think though, like you said, I think this one of things where it's just going to get better. Dope. Did, did they abandon that trench movie they were going to do? They did abandon that. The Trench movie and New Gods was uh, both shelved. The, the oh, same. same time? Okay, I was more concerned with New Gods, so I didn't even you know, realize that they dumped that one, too. Well, that yeah, a, eh. which I thought was a mistake because I felt like if there was a way to actually like tell the story of the early DC universe pre-anything Superman, anything Batman, mm. anything on Earth 2, you know, just just showcasing High Father, Dark Side, the apocalypse, uh, new Genesis wars, you know, bringing in characters like Orion and Mr. Miracle and all that, that would have been fire. The female furies fire that, you know, showcasing that with the, the cosmic aesthetic, that would, that would have been it. And they had all, uh, what's the name? Tom King on it. But that, you know, that was allegedly that's because of all uh, Snyder, you know, they didn't want the conflicting dark sides or whatever. And it was like, mm -hmm. mm. yeah, you know, <laughs> who knows what could have been yeah yeah, there, yeah there's a lot out there that could have been you know? yeah so yeah. what ben as the writer that you are what what projects are you anticipating for yourself going forward in 2022 oh man a, a bunch i'm hoping to be uh doing well I, I mean i've got some things in the fire right now that still can't be distressed as of yet and huh? one of them i'm really really excited about and like uh that's some more meetings this week to hopefully get a green light on it and that's something i'm just really really excited about and i got a few other things that i'm working on that are some personal projects that i'm really liking the way they're turning out and i've just really been happy with writing lately where i've just been more like enjoying the process again because i kind of had fallen out of that so right i'm back to where i'm just like let me just write something you know and see what it is and then i've just been watching a lot more things and being like you know inspired by what other people are doing out here right now so yeah i'm just really excited for this year in general as far as like creating and and with everything with fall on earth with writing with you know anything so now as far as writing screenwriting or comic writing which, which one is it both 
Oh, both. Okay. Yeah, both. Yeah, both. Yeah, definitely both. Uh, I'm working personally. I'm working on some screenwriting stuff, but I'm also uh, might have some uh, a gig coming up on that. But I'm and and then with comic writing, I'm actually work. That's something that that's the most I can say on that is that I have a big pitch in the fire for some comic stuff that I'm really, really excited about. Like, well, I see. I remember you going to New York Comic Con, and that was like one of the big things that came out of that that you had said that. You know, there might be some comic writing for you in the future, so I'll I'll be definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, and it's still coming. Yeah, and it's it's something, man. I'm I'm just waiting to see. We'll we'll I, see. Hopefully I, soon there'll be announcements with my name on it. <laughs> definitely. Now with the with the inclusion of your co-host Tatiana King Jones, what mm-hmm. what what does it speak to that there is in this space of nerd culture that there is female representation? Oh man, I like we said, you know, like I said at the beginning, one of our main mottos is inclusion is revolution. And I just feel that for everyone, you know, it's not about female representation, it's about all representation. Like I just I I just don't understand that. You know, I just like I I grew up on stuff like Star Trek. I grew up on stuff like Star Wars where Yoda says, you know, this physical form is not what I am, you know. I just grew up on that ideal, you know, like it's like we are all luminous beings, you know, we're all energy. And so I just don't really, I do my best to not look at people in the terms of like, what are they? You know, I just look at people as who they are. And I'm just, you know, like, of course, like, that's how I like, I, I, I don't get any other way to do it. You know, like I want to hear from every voice and especially want to hear from marginalized voices. And mm-hmm. people who have been pushed to the side. So that's why that was like I said, it was like one of the first things I did on the show. I think we did at most two episodes before I brought them in, maybe four. I can't remember. It was very, very quickly where I was like, nah, this ain't going to work, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we've had people like Ty the Robot, my boy, you know, queer representation, just all, you know, anything, you know, that's like, and I, I myself, like I tell people all the time, the show has helped me grow where I've seen, you know, like my limitations, where I wasn't seeing the all encompassing circle and like really seeing what it means to be like humanity as a whole and just be like, you know, all are welcome. And so I, as we've grown, I've grown and I'm just even more of it now. I'm like, you know, whoever, we just need everyone. But as always, we were going to, you know, we're going to be for all nerds, but we are going to podcast from, you know, the people of color. So, you know, definitely. Well, bro. This has been amazing. I appreciate it. Oh, man. Thank this. you. Yeah, man. Look, it's been a long time coming because I feel <laughs> like uh, I embarrassed myself the last time we was on the panel together. My internet was acting like I had dial up. Oh, you was all good, man. We <laughs> definitely got you back when we do another one. Word, word, man. Yeah. So so for for my man, DJ Ben, I mean, from, from the For All Nerds podcast, this is Grandmaster Facts, James Grandmaster Facts voice, and we are out. Out.